Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. That is an important warning to heed. Do not do what Pastor Chip did. It's a, it's a lot of fun otherwise, but come on over here. Okay. So if I haven't met you, I'm Terry McHugh, the executive pastor here at Garfield, and I just wanted to come up for just a second to introduce Reverend Edgar Brady. He's our guest preacher today. Pastor Chip is on vacation, not recovering from that slide, but uh, getting a little R&R, and so keep him and his family in prayer. So. Hey, glad uh, you're worshiping with us online. So glad for those of you that are tuning in. As Leah said, you could do be somewhere else, but you're joining us through the technology of the Internet, and we're glad to be with you. Maybe you're listening to us during the week, which is fine. You've carved out that time for worship together. Let's join our hearts and minds for everybody here in the building, in the place. Um, welcome. I'm Chip Free, the lead teaching pastor here at Garfield Memorial Church, and it's so good to be together. I love that video. Aren't you glad there are some things that do not change? <laughs> I mean, we change is a part of life. We get it. But after all we've been through the last two and a half years, aren't you glad that there is a firm foundation? There's something that, though the earth shake, though the mountains melt in the hearts of the sea, that there, there is a God in heaven that, that is with us, that Jesus was the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That God is the Alpha and Omega. It doesn't matter what happens in between. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. There was a hymn I grew up with when I was young that I really loved. I've never forgotten the lines. It said, swift to its close ebbs life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim. Its glories fade away. Change and decay in all around me I see. Oh, thou who changest not, abide with me. I'm so glad there's things that haven't changed because uh, we have been through some major, major, major disruption. We have been disrupted personally. Uh, we've been disrupted, some of us, professionally. Our children and our teens and our college students have been disrupted. Disruption has just wrecked havoc upon the world. And the church, not just Garfield Church, but the American church, but definitely is Garfield Church, and churches around the world have been disrupted in uncanny ways. In fact, I've been away a little bit. I took some time off this summer to recharge after the joy of 2020 and 2021. Um, and then I had some speaking engagements, some teaching conferences nationally that I had committed to even before 2020, but were pushed back. And it just so happened about four of them happened the, the late summer and this fall. And, and uh, good news is I'm here through Christmas, man. I'm not going anywhere. I am going to the Mosaics Conference, but I'll be preaching on both sides of it. But it's good to be here. I got to tell you, I was with a group of churches in Virginia last week. My wife and I were there. They were seeking for us to teach and to share. And I got to tell you, I, I, I wish I could let you hear people around this country talk about you. 
So these folk come into our website all the time. Um, two pastors told me that um, after they preach on Sunday, one in Denver, one down in Virginia Beach, that they go get on the treadmill. I said, are you saying that to make me feel guilty? They said, no, we go get in the treadmill and we watch Garfield worship. But I was hearing a lot of grief from them, a lot of disruption. Because what was happening when the church buildings closed, the church never did, but the buildings closed across the world. It was the first time in my lifetime that Easter 2020, every church building in the world was closed. And in spite of that, we had over 5,000 people worship with us online that Easter. It was the largest Easter Sunday in the history of Garfield Memorial Church. That gave me hope. That gave me hope. But I want to say to you, all of us were yearning to get back together, right? And, and if you're worshiping online, we're so glad you are, and that's amazing. And, and it's not first-class worship and second-class worship. We're so glad. In fact, next Sunday, a baptism Sunday, hallelujah, there's still time. Talk to me after service. But we're baptizing our first youth from our online campus that worships over an hour and a half away. And they asked her what, they, what she wanted for her 14th birthday. And she said she wanted Pastor Chip to baptize her. And, and they've never missed worship since 2020. There's a family of 15, 20 of them gathered together on Sunday mornings. And they've worshiped with us for two years, but have never physically been to our building. And Dakota's coming. If you're out there, I love you. I can't wait. Is coming next Sunday, and we're going to baptize her. So this is good stuff. God is at work. But, but what, what happened was during this time where everything was going on, there were sociologists and there were uh, missiologists, those are church sociologists, who were anticipating and hoping for what they called the great return. We were also anxious to get back together, right? But then days turned to weeks and weeks turned to months and months turned to years. And the truth is, the great return has never happened. And in Virginia, they were grieving over that. And there were churches saying to me, we miss our Christian friends. They sat next to us in the pews every Sunday, and now we see them on social media. They're going to ball games, they're going to arenas, they're going to concerts, they're going to restaurants, they're going to movie theaters, but they're not coming back to church. And so the great return never happened. And so you know what? Now they say we're living in sociologists, um, missiologists. We're li living from the great return into the great realization. Some of them are never coming back. They're just not. And some have sold online. That's great. And some is trickling in in person. But the church was extremely disrupted, and that's bringing grief. But the good news is that we're in a time, and I've gone through my own tears and rankling over this. I didn't sign up for this. This has been the hardest two and a half years of ministry in my 32 years. But I, after, I got, after God said to me, how long are you going to sit there and weep over Saul? <laughs> right? I'm, I'm doing a new thing, man. I got a new person. I have a drunk under a bridge that can preach better than you and sing better than Leah. I am not in trouble. And heaven is not going to go bankrupt because you got an attitude. And so when I got back, wiped my tears and got back up on my feet, I realized that our Vision 2020 team, and Terry mentioned this last week, I don't want to repeat her sermon, but these were faithful folks that, I mean, during 2020, gave hours and hours and hours every month, and were listening to God and fashioning, refashioning our vision, our mission, our values, and, and they did that work, and that, to me, I realized, was, a, was another foundation, because we're not rebuilding, 
we're building. See, if we were rebuilding, we'd just be redoing church, but nobody knows how to church church right now. It's never been done before like this. And that's, there's a part of that that we should jump onto and say, you know, this is, we can be pioneers again, man. We can be Abraham and Sarah. We can go to a land that we know not, trusting in him who has guided us there. We can do new things and new wineskins and, and discover new joys. And even in Lamentations, when Jeremiah was crying over the burning of Jerusalem and the temple, and faith jumped up on him and he said, but morning by morning, new mercies I see. God said to Isaiah, I am about to do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? It was wonderful. At that moment, I realized, hey, we're building again. We're building again. And, and we've got, if you know, there's so many new folks that are coming in. New. Some of you folks are so young, and you've got so many kids, and you're making me feel old, man. Um, you're filling up our kids' space theater right now, and it's amazing. And I said, okay, how do, we, how do we build God? What is the word right now? And God really gave me three things. Now, he didn't call me up on a real red telephone that some of the evangelists have, but he just gave me a thought and an inspiration of the Spirit. And I want to share with you three things I'm going to focus on as we're building that we're going to focus on all year. This is the new church year. You know, the calendar, there's a calendar year and there's a church year. The church year starts in the fall, goes up to Christmas, goes into the new year, into uh, Easter, on into the, kind of the summer months when we actually see the sun for three months in Cleveland, Ohio. And we have fun in the summer and then we start all over again. And so starting in 2022 and 2023, this is what God has really placed on my heart. These three things. One, gather in community. Gather in community. It'll be up there in a second. Gather in community. This is called a pregnant pause. Gather in community. Amen. See, if you say it three times, it happens. Didn't Dorothy have to tap her shoes three times, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and she got home. Gather in community. That's one. Second thing, grow spiritually. And the third thing, guard unity. This we're going to focus on through the fall and into the holidays and Christmas. Grow spiritually. We're going to do all these all the time, but grow spiritually in the new year and off to Easter and guard unity from this moment and for every moment forward is what we're doing. So today I want to talk about gathering in community. We need to gather in community. And if you're worshiping online, that's your thing. I love it. But how are you finding ways to gather in community? How are we finding ways to touch hands and to hold hearts and to heal hurts? How we do those things? And find those ways to make community and find community. We need community. I got three C.S. Lewis quotes today. I know some of you are like, C.S. Lewis? Hey, the only reason I did is he's the most modern theologian I think really gets this, that we don't get saved all by ourselves. Right? When God created, there was only one thing in creation that was not good. What was it? To be alone. We need community. So we were creating community. And Revelation said when we're raised, we're not like little angels on clouds with halos and harps. That's Hallmark. But Revelation said, we're going to be in a busy city, man. You think the traffic is bad here. Wait till you get there with the tens of thousands and up and down the streets. So we're created together and we're raised together. And there's personal salvation, sure, me and Jesus. But it never happens without corporate salvation. That we're called into a community and a family, right? So we need community. And C.S. Lewis said we have a, what he called a need love. Now that's not being needy, but it's just we can't just love ourselves. That's narcissism. We need to love others and have others love us. 
And that can only happen, Lewis says, in community. And here's his quote. He says, we are born helpless. As soon as we are fully conscious, we discover loneliness. He was an Englishman. We would say aloneness or loneliness. We need others. Physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, we need them if we are to know anything, even ourselves. We need community. Scott, Pastor Scott shared with me an article this week. Came, one came out of Harvard, one came out of the UK. And after everything that's gone on the last two and a half years, this has escalated. But they're saying loneliness is as bad for your health right now as cigarette smoking or obesity. That loneliness will do everything that cigarette smoking does to ruin your health and shorten your life. I mean, this is serious stuff. So we need to be together. So here's what um, the scriptures I turn to about gathering in community. It's from Hebrews. I just want to read them to you. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new, somebody say new, new and living way that God has opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh and since we have a great priest over the house of God let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with water this is what Jesus Christ does for us now this happens so since that happened let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who has promised is faithful and let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I had never seen this before, but in the writing of Hebrews, this is a transitional moment. The first 10 chapters of Hebrews have talked about what God does for us, how God has eliminated the curtain, right? We're in the curtain, the curtain of the temple, the veil of the temple. If you know anything about behind it was the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies, and there was this giant curtain. It wasn't a little flimsy curtain. I mean, it was like a wall. It was like three feet wide and like 80 feet high. And only the high priest, only the high priest, one day a year, Yom Kippur, was allowed to go behind the curtain. They tied a rope around him in case he died so they could pull him out and go and approach God and, and pray for the forgiveness of sins for all the people. But Hebrews says, we don't need a high priest anymore. Jesus is our priest. And we don't need a holy holy anymore, and we don't need a curtain anymore. That's why the curtain tore from top to bottom when Jesus breathed his last, just so we know who did it. And now we all have equal access to God. And we can approach with confidence and with hope and all those beautiful things. And that's why Hebrews is saying that Old Testament worship didn't finally work, right? If we look at... Um, at Hebrews 10.1. Can we look at that one? Hebrews 10 verse 1. It says, since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the true form. So if you're a legalist, you're living in something that can never save you. It's, it, it can't, it's a shadow. It's a shadow of good things to come and not the true form of these realities. It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year, make perfect those who approach so we understand why it happened. There was temples and priests and sacrifices, but there aren't any more because Jesus is our temple. Jesus is our priest and Jesus paid the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. And now we can approach. But how do we approach? 
How do we have access to the access? Immediately, the writer of Hebrews said, let us then enter into community. Let us then consider one another, provoke one another, encourage one another, work for one another, and love one another. That's wild. It's saying all this stuff happened, and Jesus was raised, and now your access to the presence of God is through the Christian community through being part of the Christian family. So I want to say to you three things here uh, and then give a little altar call to how we gather in community. First, the irreplaceability of community. I'm going to talk about the nature of Christian friendship that makes up that community. And then finally, the power source for this kind of community. Okay, the irreplaceability of the Christian community. It said, let us not neglect or give up meeting together. That word meeting in the Greek is the word episynagogue, which is where we get our word synagogue, which literally means in the Greek and in the Hebrew, congregation. It means congregation. Let us not give up gathering as a congregation. Now, God did not say aggregation. There was a word for that. And I hope you know the difference between an aggregation and a congregation. An aggregation is a group of people who come together to listen to a speaker. That's an aggregation. A group of people that go to a Christian concert or a Christian men's retreat or a Christian woman's retreat. That is an aggregation. But it's not a congregation. There's nothing wrong with it, but just you need to know the difference. Someone uh, told me once that an aggregation is like a, a bag of marbles. They're just slipping and sliding around in that bag, right? But a congregation is like a cluster of grapes where they're organically connected to one another. And that's why this word, this Greek word, uh, that's one word in the Greek, but two words for us. It's alelon, which means uh, in English, one another. That a cluster of grapes is mutuality. They're touching one another. They're involved with one another. And that's why the New Testament teaching says that we need, a, you know, we don't just go to worship in person or online so that, we, you know, we can listen to a speaker, te- uh, you know, experience teaching and counseling and, and shepherding. But we need a community where we teach one another, where we counsel one another, where we confess our sins to one another, where we encourage one another, where all parts of our lives touch. So you can come to GMC every week. You can tune into us online and never do this. And you're part of an aggregation. But Hebrews says, I want you to come as a congregation. And that's why preachers for years and years, and I used to do this, used to preach this, let us neglect or give up to meet together. And it was our way of saying, you need to get your bottom of your rear end. I almost said the other word into church. You need to get to church. You need to sit down. And that's so wrong. It's not biblical. Right? I was down there in Virginia, and there was somebody saying, we've done all this outreach stuff, Flora. We're doing this amazing stuff. We went out in the community, and we're sharing Jesus, and we're doing all these things. And then nobody comes to church. I said, who cares? Who cares? Whoever said your job was to get people to come to a meeting once a week? Because if that's what the church is, then COVID should have had its way of ripping us apart. I said, your job is not to have people come and find Jesus. Your job is to do what you did and take Jesus to them and touch them with the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the power. That's, that's what it is. And that's the we're part of a community. And, and, and Hebrews says, we can't miss out on this. Here's C.S. Lewis one more time. 
says that Christ works on us in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through each other. We are carriers of Christ to each other. It's easy to think that the church has many purposes, education, building, missions, holding services, but the purpose of all those purposes is one. The church has no other purpose than to draw people into Christ and make them like little Christ, and watch this. If they are not doing that, then all of the cathedrals, sermons, missions, even the teaching of the Bible are simply a waste of time. This is the community that God calls us to be, the transforming presence in people's lives. I need the transforming presence of God in my life. Listen, I can be very, very selfish, but when I get into the presence of God and realize what he has done for me, my selfishness starts to dissipate. See, so if I, and and C.S. Lewis is right, I can only experience that in the Christian community. And if I don't do that, I have no access to God. Except, you know, personal devotions, all that's wonderful, but it's not going to transform you. You need the individual and the communal. Okay, so what does this look like? I want to talk about the character of Christian friendship that makes up this community. Now, I have to say this to you. What I'm about to describe, I have friends, Christian friends in this church. All my Christian friends are in this church for the most part, not all of them, through the Mosaics Network. But I have some Christian friends that have done for me over these 18 years what I'm about to describe for you. And had they not done that, some point upon the way, I would have just given up. Okay? I know the Bible pretty well. I've read in Hebrew and Greek. How many else out there have? The original languages, okay. One. Bragger. Um, <laughs> You know, I went to find, since you have studied this word, I get, I, get the, I get the gospel, I think. I'm far more wicked than I ever knew, far more loved than I ever dared dream. I understand the grace of God. I, I do pretty good in my prayer life. Oh, boy, my prayer life has been amazing since 2020. Hallelujah. Um, but I'm doing pretty good in my prayer life. I don't always do good, but I'm doing good, pretty good in that. I serve other people. I, I have a passion for the poor. I experience Christ in the poor. I serve. I, I, I think I do a pretty good job forgiving some of the time. I think on all those spiritual things... I get a B, at least. So, and I'm talking to you from here, but if I don't have this in my life, I would lay down and die. We need this. This is a lifeblood we need. And I'm going to challenge you. I have people in this church that has done this for me. Do you have people in your lives? That's why we need to gather. That's why we need Christian friends that do this. And the scripture for this is here. It says, let us, four words I want to talk about. Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good works. I'm going to focus on not neglecting to meet together, as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another. So four words, considering, provoking, encouraging, and then I'm going to talk about working. These are the four marks of Christian friends. One, considering. What does it say when he says, let us consider? What does it mean to consider? In the Greek, it means to stop and think, to ponder, to reflect. But, but Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, is saying that we need to ponder, reflect, and think about how we can help and lead our friends into a more loving life. See, when you go to a counselor, I've done some counseling. If you want to pastor a counselor, that's great. I'm not professional. And if you need professional counseling, I'm going to help you connect, marital counseling, other things. But I've been to counselor. In fact, 2020, if I, I didn't have a counselor, I would have died. 
And, you know, I, I meet with the counselor. And what does the counselor do when you meet with them? Do you ever notice if you've gone to a counselor, psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever, they take notes? You ever know that? You, have anybody experienced that? I have. Why are they taking notes? They're considering you. What did Chip go through in his life? Where, where there might there be some hidden pain? How can I help him understand that? How can I help him get through it? That's somebody considering you. And see, you need Christian friends who are considering you, who are thinking about you, who are really pondering, and I have had this in my life, pondering how can we help Chip get encouragement? How can we help him be less angry? How can we help him be more forgiving? Do you have a set of people in the faith of Christian friends actively considering you and thinking about how to help you grow? And are you doing that for others? Not people just friendly with you. Okay? But helping you grow intentionally. Do you have people? Now, my wife is my best friend. She's my ministry teammate. But I can't do all this, expect her to all do all this for me. I would burn her out. I need a community of friends that help do this. That I have people, not just my wife, who I can share my hopes and dreams with, who I can share my strengths with, who I can share my weaknesses with, who I can share my sins with. You need this. People that are considering you. Secondly, people that are provoking you. <laughs> you know what that word means in the Greek? It means irritating you. My wife said I have the spiritual gift of irritation, so I think I do this well in the home. But that's not what it's talking about. You say, well, you know, we're supposed to provoke people. We're supposed to irritate people. And all of you said, I know a bunch of churches that do that. That's not what I'm talking about. It says, do you have people who can gently and lovingly come into your life to help you ask hard questions? Not to fix you. Look, you don't need to fix me, and I don't need to fix you. That's why the old spirituals that the slaves sang said, fix me, Jesus. Not fix me, Chip. Not fix me, Terry. Chip, fix me, Jesus. We don't fix each other. But you have people that can come in and, and provoke you, that can help you ask God's you know, tough questions. Do you have people that you allow to confront you and help hold you accountable, or are you just too touchy for that? Right? Are you able to let people in or no? This is what it looks like. Somebody might say, not me, but anybody might say, do you have people you can go in and you, you can confess and you can share and say, look, I'm a Christian, I'm married, I love my spouse, and I know the Bible says you shouldn't have sex outside of marriage, but I'm really tempted right now. And I kind of want to, but I know I shouldn't do it. So if you see me behaving like that, would you confront me? Would you hold me accountable? Hello? Or you say, I'm a Christian, and I know I'm not supposed to spend all my money on myself, but boy, do I like to. And I know I'm supposed to be generous and give to the work of ministry and to the poor, but if you see me being selfish that way and hoarding all my stuff and spending all my money on me, would you confront me? Would you hold me accountable? Do you have people in your life that can do that? In 2010, about seven years into the kind of redevelopment of this church, and we were growing, but it was, you know, change is hard and difficult, and we were going through stuff. In 2010, I, I just was experiencing burnout. I'd put on weight. I was not sleeping well. I'm putting on a good face on Sunday morning. I'm going home and dying. And I had two Christian friends that came and confronted me. They knew they could because we had permission. We'd spend time together. We, you know, you, you spend time in small groups together. You do this thing. And they came in. They said, we want to talk to you. And they said, look, what you're doing is not good. And one of them said to me, there's one Savior in the world, and his name is not Chip. And you're acting like it is. 
And here's what we're going to tell you. We came in to tell you, you, in the next month, you need to take two weeks away from this church, and you need to go spend time with your family and time with God, and you need to breathe, and you need to come back in a different state where you're not working, you know, 79 hours a week. And he said to me, if you don't do this within the next month, then you're not my friend. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's somebody coming in and, and considering you and provoking you, right? Is this, can, you, can you do this? Is it too personal for you? If you say, I'm the only one that has a right to decide what's right and wrong for me. This is nobody's business but mine, right? And let me tell you, if that's your mantra, it's nobody's business but mine, prepare to live a very lonely life. Jesus said, we need this. The church needs us. We need friends in our lives to consider us, to provoke us. Here's the third one, and we like this one. You can all breathe now. I know that was difficult. But the, the, but the mirror image of it is to encourage us. People that will come in and encourage us. The word in the Greek is parakaleo. Para means to come alongside. Kaleo means to call. Do you have people encourage you? They come alongside you, and they call out the best in you. And the word encourage literally means to put courage into people you. Put courage into people. Do you have people that, when you're faltering, they come in and put courage into you? I had a lay leader in my very first church, Urban Church. She was my savior. And uh, I was going through all the stuff. We were working with kids, out, gangs, and everything else. And uh, I was getting a little edgy. And she came into my office one day, and she started proclaiming, you know, greater is he who is in you and the one who is in the world. I'm like, Ruth, I'm a pastor. I know it. She said, Chip, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the man of God inside of you. Do you have people come along and encourage you and pull that out and put courage into you? Or the opposite of that is discouragement. You know what discouragement is? To rob people of courage. Please don't do that. Please don't be in the ministry of discouragement, especially now. We need to encourage one another. So considering provoking, encouraging another one is working. Are we helping people get on to good works? Good works means literally active, compassionate service. And this is very practical. Are we working as Christian friends? And do we have Christian friends working in our lives? Right? This is practical. And you know what? When people do this, nothing's beneath you. Is, is it beneath you to usher? Is it beneath you to help be a greeter? Is it beneath you, you know, to take a meal to someone? Is that beneath you? Then humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. I had people, people, I have Christian friends in here that have worked on my behalf. My very first, son, my very first Christmas here, I arrived here in late September 2004. And just three months later on, on Christmas Eve day at four o'clock in the morning, my mom died. Suddenly, tragically. And I had to decide, can I go preach three Christmas Eve sermons? And I thought, my mom was born on Christmas. She, she's, she was devoutly devoted to Jesus. What would she want me to do? Get your butt up and go out there and preach three Christmas Eve sermons. And I did. But I got to this church and I was a wreck. My kids are crying. And we were walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And uh, there was one of my Christian friends in this community. He didn't know me that well, but he's, he's become one of my closest friends. He was waiting for me at my office. And he said, look, I, I know what you've just gone through. And I can't imagine how hurt you must be right now. And you're putting on a good game face, and you're being here for all of us. I figure somebody needs to be here for you. He says, here's what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to walk with you tonight. I'm going to walk to every service. I'm going to sit by you. I'm not trying to be pushy, but if anybody comes up to you and says like, well, Chip, where are the candles? I'll handle it. You don't need that stuff right now. 
And he walked with me for four hours on that Christmas Eve through three services. Now, his guy's a busy guy. He, he and his wife over own a major retail business. You know what the most important time in the retail world is? Christmas. You know what the busiest day in the retail world is? Christmas Eve day. And you know, for 18 years, that brother has called me every Christmas Eve day to this day and says to me, hey, hey man, I, I know this probably this day's conjuring up some things and I, I know you're really busy today, but I just need you to know how much we appreciate you, how much we love you, and I'm going to be praying for you as you proclaim the gospel tonight. Do you know how that keeps me in the game? Do you have Christian friends that do that for you? If not, find some. Are you doing that for somebody else? Are you considering how to, how to help them to be more loving? Are you provoking? Are you encouraging? And oh my God, are you humbling yourself and working? If we're doing that, then we have a sense of what Christian community is. Okay, let me close. The last thing is, Chip, this community is kind of hard. What's the power source for this kind of Christian community? Well, Paul said it this way. I can do these things. I can do these things. And Paul was a... Paul was a SOB. I can't say the word, but he was nasty, man. He, you think he wanted to be in a diverse church? He killed people who would go to a diverse church. He wanted one way only, homogeneity, look like me, worship like me, do this. And he was out there killing Christians. He was a nasty dude. But Jesus humbled him. And he said, you know what? I'm going to make you apostle, but I'm not going to make you apostle to Jewish Christians like you. I'm going to make you apostles to people you would have never spent time with. And Paul said, you know what? I can do this thing. I can do this thing. But he said it this way. I can do all things, what? Through Christ who strengthens me. And that's the power source. See, because Jesus came into the world to fill the gap. It's hard for us to touch each other. When Pastor Terry preached last week, I was watching online. And when she had that picture in the Sistine Chapel, you know, Michelangelo drew where God, well, the white gray-haired God, was reaching out to the white European Adam. That's another sermon. But anyhow, when he's reaching out, you know, to touch Adam, and, and, and they, Michelangelo wanted them to touch, and the church wouldn't let him? Man, we get some weird theology. I thought Jesus came into the world to become flesh so we could touch God. Anyhow, but they wouldn't let him touch, and Pastor Terry said, there they were reaching for one another, but she said, oh, gosh, Pastor, it was so good. She said, Jesus walked in and filled that space. So when it's hard for us to touch one another, it's hard for us to be with one another. You know what? Jesus came in to help us do it. He went to the cross. He was betrayed by his friends. He was rejected by his people. And on the cross, he was forsaken by his father. He got the aloneness that we deserve because of our selfishness. He lost all community so that we could have it. He paid the ultimate price so we could have this kind of community. And friends, as I close, I'm going to tell you, I love you, Garfield Memorial Church. You guys are amazing. You're willing to be uncomfortable. You're willing to be in a, a place where you don't just walk, work, and worship with people just like you and across the spectrum. And I honor you for that. And people around the country are looking at you. But I'm going to tell you what I just preached. I've seen examples of this as Garfield's, a lot of them. I've seen flashes of it. But I'm going to tell you, as one of your pastors, we are nowhere near where we need to be especially in this season, especially after this disruption, especially in the midst of this polarization and turmoil. We aren't even close to it, and we need to press out, okay? And I want you to consider gathering in community. Now, I could just say amen and send you home, right? 
But that would be saying, I was a doctor that gave you, uh, you know, a, uh, what, what do they call it? it but no, but before that. Diagnosis. Thank you, Pastor Joe over here. See, I need Christian friends, man. I can't do this thing by myself. But I'd be like a doctor who gave you a diagnosis and just left you go home. What's the prescription? I'm going to tell you for October right now, you know, this next month as we're gearing up, as we're doing this, we are providing you a lot of ways to gather in community. We want you to connect. We want you to meet Christian friends, meet people you don't know. Don't be looking past new people for old friends and wonder if they're coming back. They may not be. Look at them. Touch them. Be friends for them. So here's what I'm going to do. Four areas. Ready? Here we go. One, gather during the week. Here's the ways you can gather during the week. On Mondays, there's men's group, okay, for men. Second and fourth Mondays, men get together 630 to 8. That's going on on Mondays. And online, Pastor Terry and Pastor Kurt, starting October 10th, will be doing a ministry by strength. So those of you online that want to gather who aren't able to come physically, look at that on Monday. On Tuesday, my wife and I, we want to connect. If we haven't connected with you, especially if you're newer or, or, or we just haven't had a chance or you just come in and listen to me and run out the door and, you know, we've not gotten to know each other, my wife and I are going to spend five weeks just connecting. I want to meet these folks. I want to meet you. We want to get to know you. And we're going to have a fun time doing ministry by strengths together. That's on Tuesdays. And then after that ends up, it's going to start October 4th for five weeks. Pastor Terry's going to pick that same time slide up and do Connect. Connect is our way. If you're exploring church membership, you don't have to join. It talks about what the church is. And if you want to join, we can do it then. Monday, Tuesday. I feel like Monday, Tuesday, Monday, anyhow. Wednesday, uh, foundation small group. I'm going to say this is the strongest Bible study we have in the church. And they sit together and they go together, have a meal together. And that's Wednesday, 7 to 8.30. I want you to consider that. Okay, Thursdays, women's group is starting back up in October from 7 to 8.30. And there's a book study that happens the second Thursday of every month from 10 to 11.30. We leave you alone on Friday and Saturday. We're nice. On Sunday, mom's group, first and third Sundays, 7 to 8.30 p.m. You have these opportunities to gather during the week and make connections and make Christian friends. And I'm, in, I'm practicing what I preach, man. I'm going to be in that mix. Okay, gather during the week. Secondly, gather in microchurches. Pastor Scott's done this amazing job starting these microchurches. They gather, they go to members' homes, they have a meal, they do life together, they share, right? And we have, I think, nine microchurches, but only eight microchurches. But only four of them are open. A lot of them are full. I got a sister I could look at in my peripheral vision right now, man. She doesn't have any more seats in her chairs in her house. There's so many people coming in, right? And, but we have right now in Bedford and Willoughby and Richmond Heights and Independence, there's some room in those. Or talk with us. Pastor Scott will help you form a new one. We need to have microchurches in Pepper Pike, Moreland Hills area, Orange, Woodmere. We need Chagrin Falls. We need Shaker Heights. Help us think about that. Pray about it. It could be wherever, online. Hey, Elyria, you guys that are over there, help Pastor Scott. You're getting together anyways, be a microchurch. Do life together. If you're in Mexico, our church down there that watches us, how are you not just watching us during the week, but how do you do a meal together and do a microchurch together? That's ways to gather, okay? Thirdly, gather in prayer. We have the, one of the most transformational prayer ministries I know. House of Prayer meets Mondays in person, 630 in our sanctuary. And you can also come in by a conference call to that. And then Wednesdays, they do a conference call, Bible study with House of Prayer, gather in prayer. Finally, gather to serve. Gather to serve the mission. 
Some of the best friends that you make, Christian friends, are people you're serving the mission with. My daughter started our cafe. It's going to be reopening. Thank you, Jesus. But she started that ministry, and she recruited people. And you know, that was back in 2013. And Tiana and about six of her cafe friends still get together once a month, still go out, pray for each other. You can make great Christian friends by serving. Radical hospitality, helping people feel welcome Sunday mornings. Volunteering at our cafe that's going to be relaunching here soon. Volunteering in kids space. This is not Sunday school. This is not your parents, grandparents Sunday school. We don't say Sunday school. We say children's ministry. Because Sunday school you could never volunteer for. Because if you volunteered for Sunday school, you were in it for life. It was a life sentence. I must teach third grade until Jesus Christ comes back. That is not our kids' ministry. It's not our kids' ministry. Our kids' ministry, you can serve once a month. You can just help greet families. You can just ask Kenya, what can we do? Pastor Kenya, uh, there's a lot of death there. Be part of Flora's outreach team. She's got all these ideas. Everybody, everybody's clapping for their own area. Do you notice that? This is like, this is like Ohio State, Michigan, man. It's like you bring up, oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody on this side is quiet. You bring up Michigan. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm hearing right now. But I'm your Christian friend. I'm provoking you on to good works. I love you, Flora. All right outreach team, helping reach our community, community meals, other things we're doing. And then finally, uh, tech and worship, our heritage choir. Maybe you want to sing at nine and just sit at 10. There's all these opportunities. We need help in the back. Somebody at the tech team say amen. amen. Okay. Tech team in the front and in the back. All right. Yeah. We need help. We need people to come in. Guys, I'm telling you, those four areas, I'm not leaving you alone. They're on our website and at the connect table today. I don't want you to leave. My wife's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Pastor Terry's going to be there. Flora's going to be there. Other people are going to be there. We've got sign-up sheets that you can just check. You are not signing in blood. If you check something you're interested in, that group leader will contract you. So if you check my group or my wife's group, one of us will call you and say, hey, uh, you know, here's what we're going to do. You want interested. I want you to do that. We're going to be pushing this for the next three weeks. Gather in community. Find ways to do it. Will you do it? Will you pray about it? I will. Let all God's people say amen. Let's pray. Hey, Lord, Holy Spirit, come. Challenge us, provoke us, stretch us, move us out of our comfort zones. Help us to be Friends in faith for one another. We know we've got friends in the world and friends we golf with and friends we go to games with, but we need Christian friends to really, really stir us up on the good works uh, for you, Christ, and grow us up. So help us to do that. Help us to gather in community. Thank you for this word, Lord. Thank you for the word you gave me to share with all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.